welcome to the CrossFit Paperbacks. My name is Alex. Hi, I'm Tash. Hi, I'm Tara. I'm Melissa. And this week, we will be talking about Hagseed by Margaret Atwood. Which is a retelling of The Tempest by William Shakespeare, of which you may be familiar. What did everyone think? I liked it. I liked it. I wasn't familiar with The Tempest. It wasn't a Shakespeare that I had yeah. done at school. So I did sort of do a little bit of the old Wikipedia homework as I was reading it. But um, I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. What I liked is that it makes Shakespeare really accessible. She's done another another one. It wasn't Shakespeare, but it was Greek mythology, the Penelope ad. And so it was making... Um, I can't remember even who was in it, but it was basically a Greek myth. Oh, it was Homer's Odyssey, but told from the female's perspective, his oh. wife. So I think that Margaret Atwood does this really well. I think that she, she's got an academic background, doesn't she? Like as a, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's a lot of academic influence yeah. in her writing. Absolutely. And I, I, so I really like that, you know, I can imagine this being something really good to give to students alongside The Tempest, who allow them to really understand and interpret the text and also just juxtapose a modern text against um, you know pair it with the, the original so yeah I thought it was great I liked it I think she's a very um, diverse writer I, I liked it but I don't know I thought eh yeah it was good like I don't regret reading it and I enjoyed it while I was reading it but that's probably about as far as I'd go with it and I think another thing is this is part of the Hogarth Shakespeare series. I did a little bit of reading up on it, and it's actually quite a few authors. What they did is they did this series of retelling of Shakespeare, some of Shakespeare's plays. So Margaret Atwood is one of a few different well-known authors, and I can't remember who else did it and what plays they did, so unfortunately I'm not very much help with that. But um, yeah, it's part of a larger project. Which it doesn't mention any of that. In, exactly. In my I would have had no idea. Yeah. I, just, no, I googled I just, it. I totally want to but read you, the other sound. If you see, it says Hogarth so Shakespeare. So it depends on what uh, edition you've got. Yeah. Oh no, yours has that too. I'm back. Oh, that's yeah. Hogarth Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's part of a um, wider sort of project of maybe like half a dozen books or so based on a retelling of Shakespeare's mm-hmm. play. So mm-hmm. yeah. That's I thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, I, li- I liked knowing the context of that, and I agree with you. I I liked it, but it didn't really stick with me. I mm. thought it was like it wasn't a waste of time. I enjoyed it while I was reading it, but I didn't look forward to reading it nor dread it. It yeah. was just total medium yeah. the whole way through for me. Entertaining. It was an entertaining read that for me was a little bit thought provoking. Whenever I had heard about the Tempest, it was like, oh yeah, I totally get what it's about, and I. I remember actually watching The Tempest as a play when I was in maybe early high school. My dad, I was really into amateur theatre when I was in high school, <laughs> which if you don't know, you probably doesn't seem And I think, but I think this may have, I'm not sure if they're a professional or an amateur group, but it was part of the fringe and they did it in the zoo. It was oh. an evening sitting on blankets watching the tempest in the zoo oh, and it was so amazing good. and in, in various points it was, it was a part where um one of the actors talked about the lion 
there was the sea roared and literally the lions started ah. it was unbelievable did they like poke them with a stick <laughs> <laughs> just let you want to do it on cue this was a while ago I'm sure that animal welfare is probably with dogs and fed so who knows we'll just pass them but uh, yeah so I, I enjoyed reading this and sort of having a greater appreciation and having that that memory of I liked the the, um, the main character Felix. I thought he's one of those characters who's bit. He's actually not a particularly nice person. Oh, I hated him. But you kind. Oh, I kind of. I found him really intriguing and mm. was kind of rooting for him by the end. Yeah. You know, it was just like yes, yeah, stick it to him. You know. Yeah. Um, I thought it was great, and and the fact that he had had such a tragedy in his life and that had affected him so badly that you know. Um, yeah, I want to do a spoiler alert, but how it's there's sort of some sort of resolution within himself by the end of the book, um, dealing with his own his own ghost. So should um, we give a bit of a um, synopsis? Of, yeah, of, yeah, I think a good idea. I think that would be good context. Yeah, for, it's a pretty bizarre story. Mm. Um, so Alex, sure. So our protagonist is Felix Phillips, who is an art director at a prestigious uh, Shakespeare theatre company. He was ousted by his his enemy, I guess, Tony, and then he spends a lot of time in exile. Then later he um, he joins a program at a... Well, Tony was his protege more, wasn't he? Yeah, he, was yeah, sort he of started out as a prodigy, and then... Um, yeah. yeah, well, he same. sort of undermined him in the end, didn't he? Yeah, it seems like he was undermining him the whole way, mm. too. So he, he joins a kind of literacy group at a nearby prison and uses the works of Shakespeare to to teach prisoners about you know various literary ideas um, in a really f- interesting way and that kind of leads him through the story of the, of the Tempest but I was very unfamiliar with the story of the Tempest so I found it I was really glad that there were some some brief explanations of at least the, the larger plot points of the the play itself as he was just explaining it to the prisoners yeah actually I think I mean, something just occurred to me that uh, the fact that it was based on like raising literacy of people that you know didn't have a good education is what was great was he was dumbing it down for them, and so it was making it really easy for me to understand. Yeah, because <laughs> it was dumbed down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so any experience I've had in school or, or uni of Shakespeare, or oh, particularly uni, was you know things being over intellectualized and mm. you know and i think it kind of makes it less engaging when you you know when something's really dumbed down it's like right well, so there's this dude he's really upset because he's been ousted and he's a little bit mad and then this happens and he's really ambitious and you know what i mean i mean that's how we yeah. sort of tell the synopsis of really any story and i think that that was good it made me sort of a lot more yeah you know, interested so, mm. i agree yeah. but i also wasn't like insulted on behalf no. of the inmates because Absolutely. it wasn't it didn't feel like too too dumbed down, like he was insulting their intelligence. It was well, just like this is a bit more plain English. The coolest thing I thought was making the rule that if you're gonna swear because they all were so completely foul mouthed, mm. that you could only use swear words that were taken from the Shakespeare mm. plays themselves. Mm. So swear words used within the body of the play, it was all right. And so that they would t- they took that totally on board mm. and and the way they mm. use them and so mm. well in context through mm. the the story, I just loved. I thought that was a very cool thing. It was. Yeah. Right. It reminded me of when I was in high school. I had a teacher who actually pointed out how filthy Shakespeare was, <laughs> and because you know obviously Shakespeare is something that everyone of all classes 
went to and a little bit of, I mean, we love a little bit of um, potty humour now, don't we? And mm. so it's like one of those things that I think was a real selling point of his plays. And mm. there's heaps of reference to it, you know, throughout all of his work stuff, which I enjoyed because that's my level of humour. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess the title Hag Seed, that was yeah. one of the words from that's the Tempest right. that the prisoners yeah. picked out. Yeah. I just, I thought he was a good teacher like he, yeah I agree you know like he yeah. he related to them and yeah yeah with the, the dirty words and stuff that those are the only ones that they could use or the ones from the that particular play and you know he seemed to be able to relate aspects of the play to these prisoners lives and also towards the end when he when they because I thought this I would have liked to have done this at some point in school you know where they they take whatever character they were they played or were associated with and then they had to give a bit of a um uh i guess a spill on how they saw that character continuing on after mm. the play finished mm. so what they would have done afterwards and i thought well that's, yeah, that's pretty cool. you know they got to use their imagination and sort of make that character you know do whatever they and had wanted. to justify and, yeah, yeah why the character would have yeah. done what they did yeah yeah mm really good exercise. Mm. So did you think that Felix transformed like as a character at all throughout the book? I, I think, think he did towards the very end. Yeah, yeah, because he was a bit of an egomaniac right at the start. You know, he, I mean, he, he still thought he was pretty good at the end, but I don't think he was so full of himself by the time the whole thing has played out. The other thing too is at the very he was using contraband so you know cigarettes and things like that to mm -hmm. bribe the inmates to get them to do what he wanted throughout the, um, the development of the play however at the very end he still gave them what he promised them which was you know little packs of you know contraband of, of cigarettes and i think that that to me kind of showed a real transformation because he could have just those you know he'd already he'd, they'd been useful for him he didn't really need to do that mm. um, and he did obviously put himself on the line by doing it as well mm. and the fact that the guards liked him and stuff like that towards the end as well I think mm. that that's yeah so I can imagine I had a, a, a first semester of English in first year uni where I did a rubbish job of keeping up with actually reading most of the text <laughs> but I do remember going to a lecture a lecture where the lecturer was talking about metamorphosis or as she called it metamorphoses <laughs> and I can imagine her enjoying this book as an example of that um, as, as a character undergoing significant um, character change mm. so yeah so speaking of, of Felix did anybody else get the sense that while Atwood was writing Felix she had a lot of disdain for him oh yeah. I just yeah I really enjoyed that he was sympathetic and was kind of a full and realized character but mm. it was pretty clear that the that the author did not respect him and mm. i just really enjoyed that because neither did i <laughs> do you think it's also because maybe she hated the protagonist in the tempest yeah it could and be. because he was symbolic of that character mm. you know maybe that was her way of mm. conveying that you know he was just a villain a mm. villainous character so yeah potentially mm. oh, i really enjoyed that mm. Who would have um, liked to have seen the play yeah. with the prisoners? Yeah, because um, yeah. 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 I was thinking, I would like know. to see this in a movie. Mm. I think this would, would translate well. into a really, yeah, yeah really yeah. good movie. But just yeah. seeing that play of the prisoners actually performing the Tempest and the way that it's described mm. in the mm. book, I thought that would be quite interesting. Mm. I would like to see how you know how that would have yeah been, pre mm. been presented. Mm. And their characters really came to life. I can imagine them 
as well as they were playing particular characters in The Tempest, I think they, they had characters that really sounded like uh, the sorts of kind of you know, foolish kind of humorous characters that would be in a Shakespeare's in a Shakespeare play as well. Mm, yeah. So you know that kind of subtext I really liked. I thought they were pretty funny and engaging, good characters. So. Yeah. And it was nice to read a Canadian book. Yeah, I thought that exactly. Because I did yeah. kind of look up the name of the town to see, you know, if they were actually Canadian, mm. yeah, not yeah. American. Because yeah. I thought for a minute it might have been in English, yeah. but then some of the, the rest of the language in the book that didn't make sense yeah, to me. So, yeah, yeah, it is unusual, isn't it, for us? We get a lot of stuff from the states, but nowhere really else in North. You know, we don't get stuff from mm. rest of North America. We don't really get a lot of art, you know, expressions mm. of art from from Canada. And, you know, and so Atwood obviously being from Canada, you know, that does come up a little bit in some of her work. Mm. So she's got this great short story oh, collection called The, the Stone Mountain. Yeah, yeah, they're the same. Yeah. 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 That's where everybody goes, you know, to get away yeah. from yeah. Yeah. the US. Actually, that's interesting, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, it's, yeah it, it's a kind of a setting that we don't really have a lot in. Mm. You know, a lot of British stuff, a lot of, uh, you know, in the States, if it's not Australian, mm. um, you know, settings. So, yeah, as I said, mm. it was interesting, wasn't it? But I did kind of picture Ricky Gervais as Felix. That's that interesting, was isn't it? kind of the person that I had in my head mm. as, you know, like, you know, they can be funny and you laugh with them even mm. though they're probably laughing at you yeah. while they're talking to you. But just that, you know, and absolutely thinking themselves yeah. above everybody mm. else and, you know, I just, yeah, that's who I had pictured What's as I was reading the story. that is... I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the Ben Elton uh, series at the moment, Upstart Crow, which is based on, it's like a, you know, satirical kind of series with um, David Mitchell uh, playing Shakespeare. And there's a character in that, like a kind of, like a plays a fool kind of character who's one of the theatre troupe. And he is so on the money as being Ricky Gervais, just his way that he presents himself <laughs> that my husband and I had to Google it because we were like this guy is either ripping it, him off or um. he's trying to pay homage to Ricky Gervais <laughs> and it turns out that was it he saw that character as Ricky Gervais mm. and so he actually like really like parodies him yeah. and, and portrays that character yeah, it's yeah. interesting that you say that yeah, yeah. Mm. do you think that all of the main characters in The Tempest were represented in Hag Seed? No, it says that they weren't, doesn't it? Towards the end Does of the it book. Say that? Yeah, oh, the copy that I've got, I'm pretty sure that oh, he says that they left leave some characters out. Let me just see if I can quickly flip to that bit. So I think there were some kind of clear parallels, but there were there were some where I was like, I wonder if there's one of these because there was nobody that I thought was Caliban. Mm-hmm. What is that? How you say it? Yeah, yeah. Caliban. Oh, that's how I pronounced it in my head. Caliban. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was wondering that too. I was trying to match up who was who, like. Mm-hmm. In the Tempest with the characters in Hagseed, and yeah, I'm not sure that I could connect everybody either. It's challenging to do, isn't it? Particularly since that character was, <laughs> you know, sort of like a, a feral kind of person, a half, half beast kind of, um, yeah. you know, raised by animals or himself, you know, a savage kind of on our own. It's hard to kind of portray that character, I think, in any other. And there wasn't really. I, I didn't think anybody in the story who was that kind of slavishly devoted to mm. to Felix or even like being manipulated to such a degree by mm. Felix that I thought it would match. Whereas like 
I think Ariel was kind of signposted pretty well in Miranda and Antonio. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the others, I, I didn't really see the connections. Yeah. If there was, was supposed mm-hmm. to be one, which maybe there wasn't. I read it a little while ago, so, but I'm pretty sure I remember reading something where he says they're not all in there, but I can't find, I can't put my finger on it as I'm flicking through. Can you guys, I, I'm saying this with a kind of an answer in mind, but could you sort of spot any sort of slight magic or supernatural or unexplained in his life that sort of rang true as something a bit tempesty? I'm just thinking of the um, place where he stayed, the little hermit's hut, mm. you know, he just kind of, he, he is propelled there yeah. and the people who are the landlords of the place just all of a sudden, you know, are gone. So it was just a bit of a spoiler, but it didn't really affect the outcome yeah. of the book. But, um, so I thought that was interesting that that sort of, you know, there's always a bit of magic in, mm. in his works mm. of Shakespeare. So I thought it was, yeah. Just that and the um, the headphones mm. were the only ones that, that stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, I think while they were enacting the play towards the end, Eight Hands, who was doing all like the tech stuff, said that he could hear like a woman's oh, voice yeah, in his right. headphones. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. I just thought it was Miranda. Mm. Yeah. I, I was very bothered by his relationship with the kind of the spectre of Miranda. Mm. Yeah. There was one point especially where he... He describes himself taking a bath mm. and that he said he was so glad that Miranda was, you know, away doing other things because how could, you know, what better way to ruin the respect of a male parent than to take away the sage and, like, replace it with, with wrinkly flesh. And I'm like, how about just because it's inappropriate for yeah. a 15-year-old girl to see her father bathe? Absolutely. I think that's much more important than, <laughs> yeah. like, losing his... his place in her mind as a sage that's yeah. so bizarre and bothersome to me it was <laughs> odd wasn't it yeah mm. there's also that sort of thing where for a while you put your parents on pedestals yeah. mm. like you don't really see all their faults until mm. you start getting older and then the, the myth that magic sort of vanishes mm. so i wonder if that was kind of a way of trying you know the author trying to say that mm. but it was it yeah, I thought some of that stuff was weird, but like helping her get into the car, and I'm thinking, well, she, why does he need to help her? Because she's like, you know, but she, she was a child though when mm. she died, and I think that's where he was conflicted within himself, he, you but, know, but not having, up. Like, but he, not having had the experience mm. of being around a child that's grown up, yeah. then th- there's kind of that conflict where he's, he only remembers what he remembers from when she was little and doesn't think about, well, she wouldn't actually need any help. Yeah. I mean, she, yeah. would, she would automatically just go to her room and not be around when he's in the bath. And, mm-hmm. you know, so not having had that experience with an actual child, yeah. I think that he, he's kind of trying to age her because he doesn't want to let her go but he still has no sense of reality with what it would actually look like. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm. Yeah. It's a sad realisation, actually, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So what do you reckon? We were having a little bit of a chat earlier about we don't tend to rate these out of five anythings. Uh, we were having a bit of a chat earlier, which we didn't include you in, so <laughs> we're totally dumping on you with this, Alex. 
did you want to wait this at all out of out of five? Yeah, yeah let's break things. I mean, yeah. 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 five what? Five librarians? Five nerds? I or? think that I like the five librarians. Five librarians. <laughs> but even one librarian is like a shining star in the darkness. Oh, so I like, like that. Oh. So it's still positive. It's still one can't positive. be a librarian then. Oh, I don't mind that. That's <laughs> what about bookworms? Oh, yeah, that's pretty cute. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Or five spectacles. Oh, I like that a lot. Five cardigans. Five oh. cardigans. Can we make it cardigans? That's yes, it's cardigans. Fantastic. So how many cardigans yeah. would you give this out of five? Three cardigans. Yeah, yeah I, I reckon three. I'm going to say yeah, three, three and a half just because I'm biased yeah. towards Margaret Atwood. Yeah. She's a, just a, a legend the way she can pivot between different genres. So I'm going to give her... Uh, one of those cardigans is maybe just three quarter sleeves. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, With a loose button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah, very cute. Beautiful. Well, it's an excellent rating system to be taking into the future. So. <laughs> <laughs> so next month we're going to be reading The Lie Tree by Frances Harding, which I, it seems to be like a young adult mm. Victorian era style mm. um, style book, which looks very interesting. So I look forward to hearing from us then. Absolutely. What I will say I am already stuck in a read of this one and it's amazing. So no matter what age you are, you'll you'll love it, I think. There's a lot of historical points of interest in it. So yeah, bring it on. Bring on the library, guys. <laughs> Sweet. All right. Well, we're ready to wrap up. Let's yeah. do it. We'll, uh, we'll speak to you again, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.